our downloads off and views on our YouTube channel increased by 500% on that one message alone. So Fal, wherever you are, uh, you are now number one, brother. And uh, I'm way down somewhere, number two somewhere. Well, they haven't told me. Maybe I'm number three because Hayden preached at night. So who knows, but it doesn't really matter. We just are so glad that people are getting blessed out of all those things that are there. So welcome to everyone that's taking part. I want to take a quick minute and I want to speak this to everybody wherever you are, that next Sunday we've called Family Sunday. And this comes out of a desire to simply be a part of the answer, not in an insignificant way. I believe it's quite significant. We want to pray for people's families. Everybody would know that the family unit is under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress in our world today. On every front, just the sheer busyness of life, financial pressures, all kinds of things that are affecting people's lives. And so we came up with this, uh, just setting aside one Sunday to pray for family. It's next Sunday. All we're asking you to do is take some of these. You can see I've been carrying them around in my pocket. It says on the front, Family Sunday, 21 October, 2018, Metro Church, we'll be praying for you. This part is a tear-off slip. And I've been asking people uh, just everywhere, quite frankly, where I get coffee. I've been asking people that I know, anyone that knows my name, I've been saying, we're praying for families. Would you like us to be praying for yours? Well, I've already got a bunch of them here filled out of people that have said to me, are you kidding? I'd love that. Most of them are not people that go to church. They're not people that would pray themselves or would feel confident to pray. But you know what? I'm saying we're going to do that for you. And then you tear off, it's perforated, you tear off the last slip here. And I said, that's to remind you of the date so that you'll know that Sunday we're praying for your family. So I've had people say, look, my son's finishing uni or starting uni rather next year. Could you pray for him? I go, absolutely. All kinds of things. I'm mentioning it today because some of you might go, well, I'm a long way away. How could I get that slip? All you've got to do is email your prayer request in. Just put Family Sunday in the subject line on your email and then email that into info at metrochurch.org.au. Send me the info counter. It's on all of our literature. Info at metrochurch.org.au and our office will get that. We will fill in one of the slips for you. And next Sunday, both services, well, all three services actually, we will be praying for families on that day. And I know that it's been one of the easiest things, seriously, that I've ever seen in terms of people responding to that. So I want to encourage you, get them in for next Sunday. If you've already got some like I do, put them in the receptacle out there at the info counter and we'll make sure we're including you as we pray for families next week, all right? Luke 5, verse 37 and 38 introduces us to our subject, our topic for this month of October 2018, which is wineskins. Now, some of you are not familiar with that word. It's not used much anymore. So let me begin by reading to you just two verses out of Luke 5. Jesus said this, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine, 
and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Obviously, a wineskin is what it says it is. It's a skin into which wine was put in the day Jesus was there. We would use maybe a, I don't know, a Tupperware container or something today. Might be our language for a, or a, 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 a drink bottle, you know, or a, or a flask or some other thing that we would use to describe it. But Jesus is not trying to focus our attention on the receptacle itself. He's trying to say to us two things. One is that in every one of our lives, at every point of our lives, there's a need for change. And the second thing that he's trying to get across to us is the need for preparation before the change. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be speaking in the messages I bring on both of those aspects, the need for change and the need for preparation before the change. Today, I want to speak mostly in this service this morning on the first of those, the need for change. And so if you want a a title for today, you can write this down. Your past is not your future. Joshua chapter 5, only I'm going to read the first 12 verses. They'll be up there on the screen for you. Joshua 5 verse 1 says this, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all of the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so that the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. This is the moment where the children of Israel, after 40 long years of wandering in the wilderness, have finally got again to this River Jordan, but it's flooded and it stretches out literally for uh, kilometres in either direction. And supernaturally, the Lord dries it up and three million plus people walk across as though it were dry ground. And this is where we are picking up the story. The people around about have seen it or they've heard it. And so they have literally, virtually all but surrendered at that point, saying, wow, God is obviously with them. Verse 2, at that time, the Lord spoke to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire population of Israel at Gibeath Haroth. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. They disobeyed the Lord and the Lord vowed He would not let them enter the land He'd sworn to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who'd grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this verse I'm going to come back to tonight in like a part two, because it's a strange verse that sits 
uh, in a strange place, really. Today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Even though it was 40 years ago, more than 40 years since they'd left Egypt, he says, today's the day I've rolled away your shame. I'm going to get into that tonight and we'll have communion around the truth that's in that. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal, which means roll away to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal in the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the fruit of the crops of the land and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Heavenly Father, help us today. None of us, Lord, have come to hear a sermon, but God, every one of us have come because something in our heart reaches out to you and wants your insight, wants a word from you to our life and to our future. So Father, I pray that you will help everyone here. God, help them not to be distracted by stuff that's going on outside of here. But just for the next 30 minutes, let every one of us, wherever we are, be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us about a great future that you have for us. Lord, the place you want us to take. Lord, we thank God. We thank you for everything that's gone before. All that's been done. But Lord, now when we stand in this time and place, Help us to be everything you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. For the past 40 years, these people have seen the power and glory of God on a daily basis. Every single day, there's been supernatural provision. Whether it was quails, whether it was water out of a rock in the middle of a desert, whether it was this mystical thing called manna that overnight would appear on the ground and people just simply had to go and collect it. But provision was supernaturally there every day. Every single day for the past 40 years, they've had divine protection on their life, symbolised by the pillar of fire by night that shone above the tabernacle, shone above their camp every single time for 40 plus years, every night. You never had to wonder if God was there. His protection was obvious by the pillar of fire. As daybreak came, that pillar of fire, mystically, supernaturally, I feel like saying magically, but that wasn't it at all. It was the power of God. A pillar of fire turned into a pillar of cloud. Think about just that for a minute and try and get your head around how fire could turn into cloud. Right in front of your very eyes as day would break. And then that cloud would be there all day long. So supernatural provision and supernatural prediction, but then also supernatural leading every single day. You know, if one of the kids said, Dad, what are we doing today? The father would simply say, Son, look at the cloud. If the cloud moves, we are moving. When the cloud stops, We are stopping. Nobody had to look up a calendar. Nobody had to wonder about an agenda. Nobody had to think about the plans or what day it was. Supernatural leadership and guidance was there for them every single day. And yet, 
with that amazing time that every single one of us would think was the epitome, uh, the, the absolute pinnacle, the best place it could be for our life. Every one of us here today would love it if every single day your bank account got magically and supernaturally filled up. Anybody? Three people in the whole building. Well, I'm going to put my hand up for the rest of you. Because I, all I know this is, imagine never having to go to the ATM ever again and check your balance. Because supernatural provision, every single day, it just went up. Imagine having supernatural protection. You never had to wonder, am I in a good part of town? You never had to go, am I okay? Well, you know, hide your wallet or any other such thing. Supernatural protection. You never had to worry about someone coming through a red light and cleaning you up. Because every single day, supernatural protection. Supernaturally, you never ever had to pray, oh God, what's your will? Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Oh God, I don't know what to do. Because every single day, you knew what to do. See, every one of us goes, hello, that would be like heaven on a stick. Man, that'd be like it. But yet, all of that amazing stuff was not God's best for them. The promised land was. And so when it comes to change, when it comes to adjusting, how many people here know in life you're going to experience change whether you like it or not? Kurt Kenderessi might love cassette tapes. He may think that they are the best device and the best media by which to record and reproduce sound. He might love the crackle and pop that you get on a tape that you don't get on a, a download, a digital thing. He might love all that, but guess what, Kurt? It's too bad. It doesn't matter because in their inestimable wisdom, the designers of cars say no more cassettes, no more tapes continuing to spool inside of your, your cassette player in your car and fouling it all up and you having to sit there with a pair of tweezers and pull it out. Now that's something that most young people, if you're under 25, you've never had the joy of having to pull a piece of cassette tape out of there and discovered that it just rolled all around that you haven't had to do that. Some, how many people here, can, anybody here can remember 8-track? I'm too young for 8-track. Seriously, I never had 8-track. It was already gone by the time I got there. Anybody remember Betamax? You know, Betamax, the, was it Sony or some one of them? You know, and they say it was great, but it, you know what? It's too bad, it changed. And every single one of us, are going to go through change in our life. Here's some things that we need to understand about change and that Jesus is referring to in Luke 5 when he talks about the wineskin. This is what he's trying to get across. Number one, the enemy of future glory is always former glory. The enemy of future glory is always former glory. Never be so in love with what God has done in the past in either your life or someone else's life, that you miss what he's doing now. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day and said, I never want to be, as I get older, somebody who wishes we were still doing what we were doing 20 years ago. Because I've sat with pastors that have now been retired for year after year after year and they lament to me what they think the church is like now. 
and they don't like this and they don't like that. Can I say to you, we never want to be so in love with yesterday, what God did and God did it, that we miss what he's doing now. We are thankful for the past. We celebrate what God's done, but we aren't stopping there. Denominations, Christian denominations happen when people camp around something wonderful that God did in their past. And you know what? I've discovered none of us are immune. Pentecostals, spirit-filled, charismatic, you know, whatever you call, label you like to put, we are all capable of so loving yesterday. Well, I really loved it when we had this. Well, you know, some of God may revive things out of that have been done before and use them again. But the mistake is not what will God do? The mistake is to want yesterday back in our life. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. This is out of the message version. It says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. Turn to your neighbour right now and say, the pastor said, grow up in Christ. Come on, it's the only time you're going to get to say that to your husband and wife and not get slapped for it. So just try it now. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help. Turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. God helping us, we'll stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Let us get on with it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, get on with it. See, the reality is that yesterday's miracles were a part of our journey, but they're not our destination. I'm conscious of this, particularly as we, as a church, are looking for a a new building, a new facility. Nothing is wrong with this one, but we feel like it's time for us to own our own and to have that. Well, I can tell you about all the ways God did it before, but that doesn't necessarily mean He's going to do it the same way next time. And so I don't want to make the mistake of going, God, this was the miracle you did then. So I'm sure you'll do that now. He may do it completely differently in this season that we're in. Never long for the good old days. Never long for the good old days of your career. Never long for the good old days of your marriage. Hello, if you've been married five years, Andrew and Ruth Humphreys, or 10 years, Steve and Amanda Ellaby, or 40 years next February, Jeff and Rhonda, I don't want flowers, I want a whole tree. (laughs) Rhonda, on the other hand, might like flowers. But you know what? However long you've been married, guess what? Wouldn't it be silly if, you know, if someone said to me, well, you've got to feel exactly the same. I go, well, I don't know. I'm not sure that I I, I want to just go back and go, Rhonda, it's going to be like when we were dating. All those hot dates I took you on. I took it to church. I took it to prayer meetings. I took it to crusades. I, I took it to worship events. I took it to Christian conferences. My goodness, we, we church was our dating agency. 
we just went to church. It's actually a really good way to find someone. Take them to church a lot and then see how they go. Amen? If they love God, they'll probably love you. That's just free for all the young people that are here. Wouldn't it be sad, though, if we kind of went, well, it's got to be the same way. We don't live longing for the good old days of our career, our marriage, our ministry, or our church. We aren't going to let past glory keep us out of future glory. Don't let what God did yesterday. So many things are different. Oh, I remember when my first Bible, I've still got it at home, was a wide margin Bible. I had a wide margin Bible because I was so spiritual, I would write in the margins. I'd write messages in there and stuff like that. Not messages that I preached because I wasn't preaching. But I remember my pastor had a wide margin Bible, so I got a wide margin Bible. And I reckon that probably 95% of you now don't even open a paper Bible. You sit there with your device and you're checking out everything I'm saying in seven different versions. Well, it's either that or you're on Facebook. I don't know which one it is, but... Well, you wouldn't be on Facebook in this church. I'm sure of that, but... You know, now we're on there and we've got all this stuff going on here. And, you know, wouldn't it be silly, though, if I said, no, we're not going to do that. Everybody here is going to have to have the same version of the Bible. And we're all going to have to bring a paper Bible to church. We don't want to fall in love with things in the past. We want to make sure that we go into future glory. Here's the second thing about change that I believe underlies these words of Jesus. And that's this. You can't go forward into your future if everything stays the same. I don't think I'm any different to anybody else here. In that, you know, when I was much younger and our family was younger, I thought that's the way it would be forever. And now here we are and our children have all moved to other parts of this great nation. Well, wouldn't it be silly if I resisted that? I had people come to me literally after Ryan and Beck and our grandkids moved to Queensland and they said to me, I had several, are you going to move to Queensland now? And I go, no, no. How could I do that? I said, Jesus told me to come to Perth. I said, I'll leave Perth when Jesus tells me to go not when my kids move. Come on. You know, would it be silly though if I said, well, I only want to pastor a church that looks like it looked like when we started. How silly would it be if I said, the landscape's got to remain the same, but I want to move into my future. And yet so many people do that. None of what they had received from God was bad. There was nothing wrong with the supernatural provision, the supernatural protection, the supernatural leading. That was all God's work. But I want you to take note of this next statement. Just because it's good or it's God doesn't mean that it can't, won't or shouldn't change. No matter how long you've been doing something, always say to God, God, I'm up for what you want. I'm following you. I'm not following tradition. I'm not following what the crowd are about. Lord, I'm going to obey you and do what you want in my life. Just because it's God and God's put his blessing on it doesn't mean he intends to do it that way 
forever. There came a moment where the children of Israel had to say, we'll never see the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud again. There had to come a moment where they said, from now on, no more manna. There had to come a moment where they said, even though all this marvellous stuff has happened, without us even having to try, that's the end of it. Now we move into a new era in our life. Here's the third thing that I believe underlies what Jesus is saying about change to all of us. And that's this, that taking time to make change is time well spent. I think there are two extremes when it comes to change. One is people going, you know what? I, I'm not going to change it no matter what. And you, you're the, the people that despise everything and you're going to go out and buy a cassette player and install it in your car regardless, because you like a cassette. And please don't identify and come to me later and say, but Jeff, you, you don't understand how good cassettes are. I remember throwing out a whole bunch of them last year that I'd kept for 30 years because I realised there was nothing to play them on anymore. And I wasn't going to burden Kurt by saying, Kurt, because you turn all these into digital stuff. I figured if I hadn't listened to them in the last 30 years, Kurt, I probably wasn't going to listen to them the next year. Imagine being miraculously through the flooded Jordan. Your enemies have all but surrendered to you. There's the promised land right there. You're standing on the edge of it. And then God says, tell you what we're going to do first. We're not going to diarise circumcision for after you've knocked down Jericho, defeated AI, uh, you know, got into the land that I've promised you. And then once you've got all the hard work done, then I'm going to get you to, to be circumcised and you can recover. But rather, while they are at their most energetic towards change, God says, wait. Probably the most astounding thing in this whole story is that to me. It's not God opening up the Red Sea. It's God saying, you know what? Sometimes you need to take time rather than race in haste into what you think God's got for you to do. Be zealous for change, but never become hasty. I've seen people too often, and I've done it myself, where I've allowed frustration to drive my decision-making. I'm, you know, again, I'm, we're all different. But some of you will understand what I'm saying. You know, sometimes you just, it's not that you're bored, you're just frustrated. And so when you're frustrated, you're just going to make something happen. Is there anybody else in the house? Four of you. Four of us will meet together over coffee in the cafe after. We'll share our stories of how impatient we've been. There's some of us that find it incredibly difficult when the Holy Spirit says, stop. You have no idea how frustrating building searching is to someone like me. Because I just go, oh, I'm over that. Uh, and, you know, we'd lined up one place and, and uh, thought this was going to be great. And then I, I just had this mm, inside. And I remember saying to Jeremy, our general manager, said, Jeremy, tell the agent we're not, we're not going to give him any more decision. Nothing's going to be done for at least three weeks. I was away in uh, Cambodia and Malaysia and India. And, uh, and while I was away praying about it, I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, you can take it if you want, 
but there's something better. And so I, you know, I took the something better and said no. Did that in consultation with the financial advisory board and other leaders. So I did all that. And you know what? I know about the rest of you here. The very next day, I'm expecting a miraculous building. Because see, the last building we had before this one, out of nowhere, I get a phone call from a real estate agent that had done some work for us once. And he said, I, not, not a Christian, he said, I hear you're looking for a building. I said, I am. He said, have you considered Nevada Shirt Factory? The old Nevada Shirt Factory. I said, Sam, I've already made three offers on it. They've rejected everyone. I've got a letter from the minister because it was owned by the Department of Housing saying you're never getting it. And so all this is, is going on. He says, leave it with me. He phones me back that afternoon and says, can you meet with the head of the department, Greg Joyce? Can you meet with him? Uh, you know, next week and, and nominate the day. I said, sure I can, but I'm going there going, well, that'll never, nothing's going to happen. In the meantime, we were under pressure to move out of the building we were in. They were going to renovate that. And so all this stuff's going on in the background. I'm sitting there with Sam, the real estate agent. I'm sitting there with Greg Joyce, the permanent head of the department, and his two senior managers. And Sam starts saying, these people do a lot of good work, you know. And Greg says, yes, I know. I've walked past hope on many occasions. None of us had ever noticed someone walking past. He said, I've seen what they do to help the poor. He said, so I'm going to help them. The two other guys jumped up and said, Mr. Joyce, because he was Mr. Joyce. Mr. Joyce, you can't do that. The minister has said no. He says, I don't care what the minister said. I'm telling you, we're going to give it to them. Well, I'm just sitting there. I'm I'm looking like, I'm feeling like the children of Israel across the promised land. And all this stuff's going on. Then Sam pipes up and says, now, they're doing all this work to help the needy. So you're not going to charge them much, are you? And I'm thinking, the last offer I'd made was $125,000 a year for that bill. This is a long while ago. $125,000. Sam, I wouldn't have had the chutzpah or whatever term you'd prefer to do this. He said, how about $5,000 a year? Greg said, done. I'm going 100 bucks a week. I think Rhonda and I can take care of that. And that's what happened. But you know, it wasn't in my timing. And so when it comes to this one, and I can tell you lots of other decisions. Have you ever here got into the place where you go, I'm tired of this, I'm going to address it, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down with it, I'm going to tell them what I really think? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind and usually not the best piece. You're going to give them the angry piece? Hello, don't all look at me like you're all just such saints and Never ever thought like this. You know, and you're going to do all that. This is how many more times I can count. I'm about to give them what for. And I'm going to righteously, of course, righteously, I'm going I'm to set them straight because the truth will set them free. My truth. I'm about to give them all this and let them have it, you know. And then you get that little still small voice. You know the one? The little still small voice that goes, no. And then you start this thing where you argue with God. You start telling God all the reasons why now is a really good time. Because, because, and you're going to give it to them. Hello. 
Thank you. Thank you. Because I'm starting to wonder whether maybe everybody else here has got this nailed and I'm the only one that still struggles. And I'm about to give it to them and then the Holy Spirit says, not now, and I go. I'd love to tell you that I smile sweetly and say, certainly, Lord, what, whatever you say. He's like, go, are you sure? All right, then. But I really want to tell them, and I really think someone should. And God, if you're going to give them the message, let me be the one. Sometimes I think it's hard when we are chafing at the bit to get going on something, and then the Holy Spirit goes, you know what? I'm pressing the pause button. Just stop. How long would it take for an entire nation of fighting men to recover well enough to be able to go to battle? My guess is probably a couple of weeks, maybe a year. (laughs) Be zealous for change in your life, but don't be hasty and allow frustration to drive you. Psalm 23 verse 2 says this in that great shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He doesn't drive me, he leads me. The Holy Spirit is not a pusher, he's a leader. And he's gonna lead you to the places. Listen, you can trust God and trust his timing. You won't miss out, come on. Come on, I know this is uh, hitting a nerve for some of you here because you're frustrated and you want to make something happen. You're about to make a decision that maybe is not the best one, but out of frustration, would you pause a minute and just at least say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you to lead me because you'll be the best. You'll give me the best. You'll do the best. And you know, sometimes in my life, I've got to be honest, This is the way it's worked. Sometimes when I've obeyed the Holy Spirit and not spoken up when I wanted to, sometimes I've discovered later there were things that I had no idea about, but I only found them out weeks later. And if I'd gone and said something, I would have blown it out right out. Other times I've discovered that God had a better way to do it that changed the thing around. I've learned, at least in part, I've learned to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you with the timing of this. Amen. Here's the last one. Here's number four. The first one is this. The enemy of future glory is former glory. The second one, you can't go forward into your future if everything stays the same. Thirdly, taking the the time to process changes, time well spent. Here's number four. Our future in God is always better than our past. Now listen, stay with me here a minute. Because if you had been there on that day and you've just been circumcised and you're a grown man, I don't want to be too graphic here, but wouldn't be the most pleasant thing to happen in your life. The pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud have all gone. You get up the next morning and there's crops around about and without even thinking, you go and start collecting some you harvested. You grind that into flour and you bake some bread. The next morning you go, wow, but oh manna. You get up and you go outside of your tent, look on the ground and there's no manna at all. Matter of fact, you never see manna ever 
again. All you see is crops that you've got to work to process. You see, the truth is, easy isn't always better. Harder is not always worse. There's people here this morning, and I know this because I know the Holy Spirit is getting me to say this to you. You are in places right now where you are asking God, God, if you're in this, how come it's such hard work? God, if you're in this, how come I'm not loving every second of it? Because you bought into the idea that if God's in it, you'll love it all day, all the time. But these people left behind manna, the pillar of cloud and fire. They're in an uncomfortable place and now they've got to work for that which used to be automatic. But easy isn't always better. Harder, come on, is not always worse. Ask these guys that just became the, the Masters Division CrossFit champions. Ask them, was it easy? And they'll tell you it's not. I think it's a lot harder. It's certainly a lot harder than sitting at home having a donut and a coffee. I shook Jonathan Ronaldo's hand today and he winced and I thought I didn't realise I was so powerful. Didn't realise I was that strong. But then he showed me his hand and all the blisters that he's burst on it in getting to be the champion. Ask him, was it easy? He'll say no, but I say, but was it better? I've got a photo on my phone of Tim and Jonathan standing on the podium holding up their trophy, number one. Ask them which is better. It was difficult. Come on. Some of you, come on. Some of you are in difficult places right now. Maybe in your family life or your marriage. It's a difficult place. And, and everything within you wants to move too easy. Maybe right now the business stream that you started with, that you thought was going to be so amazing, maybe right now it's not easy at all. It's actually really hard. Can I encourage you to say, God, what do you want from me? Did you bring me to this point? Did you bring me? Can I say to you unequivocally, if God brought you there, he never brought you there to fail. God never brought the children of Israel to the promised land so that they could struggle. He never brought them to the promised land so that they could encounter the enemies up close and be defeated. He brought them there because he wanted them to have victory in their world. Do you know how much work it takes for people serving uh, across the life of this church, for all the ministry that we get to look back and go, that was easy. But I just want to say thank God for all the volunteers who work. Thank God for all the people who go, it might be easy, but it's definitely better. I'm praying this morning that every single one of us will make sure that we don't allow past glory to be the thing that captivates our attention but that we move on to future glory in our life in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me a minute? We're going to pray. Just wherever you are, in Newman, in Mandurah, stand with me a minute as we pray. And I want you just to hold your hands out before you, if you would. As I pray and we say, God, we want your will, not our will. We're surrendering to you today. We're allowing you to be the one that God says, Lord, if you're pressing the pause button on some of our lives, Lord, we accept the pause because we believe that better lies ahead. Whatever God you've got in front of us, we're saying yes to that. 
We're not seeking change for change's sake. We're not going to just grab at the first thing that's different. But God, we are going to allow you to lead us and to guide us and to speak to us in Jesus' name. We believe, Lord, that future glory lies in front of us. Every single one of us, for our families, maybe right now, God, I pray for the families right now that are going through a difficult season. Maybe one of the families just struggling. God, I pray that rather than take the easy out, the simple option, God will seek your will on it. Because God, you want to take all of us in our families, in our businesses, in our careers, in our ministry. You want to take us as a church into future glory in Jesus' name. Say, help us all, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Just while you're standing a minute, some of you here in this place will have never known what it's like to have Jesus bring divine, supernatural hope into your life. I made this statement a lot over the years. And it still is just as true to me as it was the first time I ever uttered it. And that is that your worst day as a follower of Christ is better than your best day without Christ. Now I don't say that because becoming a Christian makes you a better person than other people because it doesn't necessarily. It should do, but some of that just takes time to work out. It doesn't because all of a sudden immediately you come to Christ, all your problems disappear. Oh, wouldn't that be good? It doesn't work like that. But it's because deep inside of your soul, when you invite Jesus into your life, hope comes. That's different to the I hope so. It's different to the wouldn't it be goods if. But a hope comes into your life because the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Hope. Calls God the God of hope. And I want to pray this morning for people. You may be right here in front of me. Maybe you're watching this. And wherever you are, somewhere or other around the world, you recognize all of a sudden, hold a second here, I don't really know Jesus. You might know church or maybe you know Christian stuff or maybe you know a couple of verses out of the Bible. Maybe you know the Lord's Prayer, but you don't know Jesus. Oh, you know, the the greatest thing this church will ever offer anybody will not be a great experience of worship or a great experience of teaching of the Word of God. It'll always be this moment, Jesus Christ in your life. And so I want to make sure that everybody here gets an opportunity to respond. This is what we're going to do. Up here on the screen, they'll have up for you the number that you can send your yes text through to. 488 There it is right there. You can text that in and every day for the next 30 days. We'll simply send you a Bible verse and a prayer you can pray to help you get started in a walk with God because it's a relationship. And so that can happen like that. You can go and visit our Yes table, which is on the lower level of the auditorium here on the right-hand side. You can go to the info counter. Just say, I prayed the prayer. They'll know what to do. They'll help you with that. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We want to make sure that you encounter Christ and that encountering Christ, you go on to walk with Christ. You'll allow Him to live in you and through you. Being a Christian is not a box you tick. And then you go on 
to the rest of your life still stirring it. But it's a walk with Jesus. Amen. So let me pray this prayer. And if you want to, you can make this prayer yours right where you stand. You can text that yes through to 488 You can visit the yes counter. You can email us at info at metrochurch.org.au. Find a way. Talk to someone before you leave. Here's the prayer that you can pray and make yours. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin and be my Savior and be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, make sure you text that through or contact us in some way so we can help you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. And uh, can we just give all those people that are saying yes and text and give them a big hand and say, we love you. We're excited for you. Go and ask anybody in this place here that looks like they belong. Go and ask them, what was it like when you first believed? They say, well, I believed. And you know, then came a point where I just felt like I belonged in the family of God. And now I'm becoming everything that God has for me in my life. And uh, they'll tell you what a great journey that it is for sure in Jesus' name. Hey, I pray that this morning's been a blessing to you. Don't forget these uh, yes, uh, sorry, not yes cards. That's what we just talked about. These family Sunday slips. Grab some of those. Just take a bunch of them, put them in your pocket and, uh, or put them at your desk. Just ask people if they know your name, they're the person you can say, can I pray for your family? My church would love to be praying for you. I'm believing that miracles are going to happen. We're not doing it to collect names. We're only after first names. We're not trying to identify anybody. We're not trying to get them to do anything. We're simply saying, if anybody on the earth ought to pray for families, it ought to be churches. Hello. So that's what we're doing. And I'd love you to be a part of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Ruby, how awesome. Did you have a good week this week? Did you heal the sick? I did. Well done. Because <laughs> you're a doctor, so you really ought to. That'd that be just pretty cool. That's good. Fantastic. We're going to sing one song of worship just because we want to allow the presence of God to touch our lives again. We go out of here. Cafe's open. Love you to stay, by the way. Never can never look and go, the cafe's full. Somebody will make room for you. Trust me, they will. And the coffee is really good. God bless. Come on, let's sing it and worship as we go this morning.